0: Well, good evening. First of all, I appreciate y'all's understanding and willingness to move around like we do a little bit. Uh, summer is about to come to an end, believe it or not. It's closing in. When we get back from Brazil, we'll have a week and a half before Eli goes back to school. And so, uh, summer, we've only, so that means we've only got about, actually, I think, uh, three weeks from today. Three weeks from today is registration day for Elon School. So uh, so once we get back to summer, we'll be much more regular. We're going to be regular from here on out. I don't know of any reason that we would move it from 6 o'clock from here to the rest of the, the year. I'm sure something might come up, but uh, nothing that I'm aware of. And appreciate Alan stepping in last week again. We uh, um, Susan, I mentioned this Sunday morning, the early service. Susan and the kids and I took a two-day... Uh, they were there three days, I was there two days, uh, just break at the Tennessee River before I head off tomorrow and am gone for 12 days, and so we, we had a good couple of days together, so I appreciate that. Um, let's talk about First Chronicles, the most exciting book we have read to date, right? Parts of it, right? And, uh, any What questions do you have in First Chronicles? We may not spend much time in Chronicles tonight, that's okay. It is repeat. Um, it is a lot of uh, similar stories from uh, specifically the Samuel narratives, first and Second Samuel. First Chronicles is kind of Second Samuel redone in some ways. Second Chronicles is, uh, in some ways, uh, first and second Kings redone. There are some differences which we can talk about. Um, Do you remember when I told you Chronicles was written after the exile, so after they've come back? And so when you read this and you wonder, well, why are they telling something we've already read? Well, a couple of reasons. One is they didn't have the book like we did and go, oh, we don't need to rewrite that. That's already been written. Uh, Secondly, they were rebuilding a society almost from scratch. And so they were saying, let's remember why this is important. Let's remember why we do this at the same time? They also you'll see a much more emphasis in the chronicles about the idolatry leading to problems. Now that we saw that in first and second Samuel, but the point there is: let's don't get in idolatry again. That's what got us in exile in the first place. We don't need that happening again. So that's why there are some things, and it, it's more of a it, it's even more of a flyover snapshot of history than first, second Samuel, first, second Kings. I mean, where does First Chronicles start? With whom does it start? What's that? Yeah, it starts with Adam, right? The first word of Chronicles is Adam. That's kind of the beginning. So it starts in the beginning, uh, at least in Genesis, the end of Genesis 1. And it goes all the way through the death of David. So that, you can tell, is thousands of years of history. I mean, it goes in a long stretch Now, it does that mainly through the names, and most of the names are just names. Um, uh, If you would like to give grandchildren suggestions or children suggestions for names, you've got um, Arphaxid and, uh, you know, Peleg, which I always think of Pegleg there. Um, Zepho, Gatam, Kanaz, you know, they're just some good names in there that have kind of gone away from our vocabulary but anything in, in chronicles that we've covered to this point um, we have gotten all the way to first chronicles 19 so yeah there there when there are breaks in the genealogy they generally are there for a reason but there may not be reasons that we have good understanding of today um, usually they're there for emphasis uh Benjamin's three of his sons were Bele and Becker and Jedael and uh, the answer is I don't know. That's how it's written. Yeah, well, if you you know if you remember that story in Second Samuel, is the one where she comes he comes dancing in and she says I hope you've I hope you're proud of yourself basically uh, because you've danced naked through the streets. And, he, and and she said, and the, and the, the girls all got an eyeful, is basically what she says. All those servant girls got to see everything. And that's when David says, I'll be even more indignified in praising my Lord. Um, and so there, there was some, maybe, maybe there was some leftover residual resentment about the way that David took the throne. And, and also, if you remember in Samuel, um, David uh, had gone back and gotten Michael, remember Michael? Some other guy took it. He went back and got her, and there may have been some still kind of thing because Michael was his first, uh, I don't know, first love. I don't know, that, that kind of is a different connotation today for us, but um, so there, there may have been still some residual contempt for David because of the way that he treated, or the way that Saul felt about him. But also, she just thought it was inappropriate that kings didn't dance like that. You know, you've, you've embarrassed yourself. And you've embarrassed me. You just don't do that. So now it didn't give us that description in the Chronicles account. It just gives that kind of brief thing. Yeah, well, and it actually says he danced basically in his underwear and his linen ephod. I mean, he he gets out there, so he's not. Some pastors have gone out. He was he wasn't naked in the streets. All right, it would be yes for all people. So. It it also chronicles here, it kinda of jumps back and forth a little bit, right? It tells you that David took over for Saul and then it goes back and talks about all of David's men and how he gathered the men. It's kinda of like it's saying, Oh, we forgot to tell you how he took control. Let's go back and remind you of that. And you get the descriptions again of the thirty and the three and you know, the secret agents and the David's A team, if you will, and those special guys. All right, anything else? In Chronicles, a name that you see here is the name of Asaph, who, if you go into the Psalms, you see Psalms of Asaph. You see him kind of prominent in the description there on the 14th. And so, uh, you also see a lot of, um, and this would have been important for them in re- First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings is interested in. Um, is interested in establishing the kingdom. Chronicles is interested in establishing the worship. And so one of the things you see, or I feel like I, I see more in Chronicles, and this may just be it may just be me, but there seems to be more emphasis on the people that are leading worship and what they're doing in worship and who's appointed to worship. And you've got the singers, and David appointed the singers. And there seems to be mention of that because uh, does anybody have any idea who, who a lot of scholars think wrote the book? Ezra is kind of a... product. Now, the the, the uh, appropriate way to refer to him is generally just the chronicler um, because of chronicles, and they wrote chronicles, but the chronicler. But Ezra is a name that's mentioned, and if you remember, we're not going to get there right now, we'll get there in a little bit, but if you remember Ezra and Nehemiah, they were ones that came back and Nehemiah rebuilt the walls, and Ezra rebuilt temple and the law. He's kind of a, about the law, so he's about making sure that we're doing things the way we're supposed to be doing them. And so if Ezra wrote Chronicles, it would make sense that he talked more about temple worship and what was going on there in the tabernacle. And you get a full version of that story of David um, wanting to build a house for the Lord, and the Lord giving him a, uh, the vision to Nathan and saying, no, you can't do that. So that's one of the reasons those are in there. All right, anything else before we go to... Yes, they they they've been used since Yeah, they they were used whenever Israel worshiped. Tabernacle, yeah. But yeah, they were they they were a part of Israel's worship as long as they worshiped. All right. Let's talk about Acts, particularly the end of Acts. I know we got into Romans a little bit, but we'll hold off on that. I'll let Alan explain Romans to you completely next week. Um Anything in Acts. What we just read in Acts is one of... Now, some of you went through the study of Acts, and we went through it, but the end of Acts is kind of a a forgotten chapter in the life of Paul sometimes. There's that uh, crazy story about the shipwreck, um, and he gets on the island, and the snake bites him and holds on, right? And he kind of lifts it up, and they think, oh, he's demon-possessed because the snake bit him, and then he doesn't die, and they think, no, he's a god, and he's not. It's just an interesting little... Description there. What did you see in there? What questions did you have kind of at the end of Acts? You had Festus and Felix and court systems and all that kind of stuff. That's a good question. Somebody else. Thoughts? Things that you noticed stood out? Yeah, th- there are some that think that because it hadn't happened yet when it was officially written, uh, that, that Luke was with him, still writing kind of like this that because of what Paul was doing in Rome, that the Christianity was spreading rather quickly throughout, and the thought was we need to get out of history. And so Luke wrote Luke and Acts either to a person, Theophilus, or as we talked about when we started Luke, um, Theophilus means uh, just friend of God or lover of God. Um, so maybe just generalized to you who are a lover of God, a friend of God. So it's kind of the idea that Luke says, I've got to get this out there and get the story out there so we don't get uh, misinterpreted. What's well, interesting when you read Romans, especially coming out of Acts, is that Romans was written to the church in Rome before Paul got to the church in Rome. And when he gets to the church in Rome, it's interesting for Paul, because everywhere else he had been causing such a stir, everybody knew who he was, and he gets to Rome and they go, we really hadn't heard anything about this. What's going on? And so he begins to explain. Um, but uh, Paul's goal was to get to the ends of the earth, and Rome was the center of the earth. They thought if he could get there, he could get anywhere. I think it also shows the sovereignty of God and the desire of Paul to do God's will no matter what. There's, that little, there's a little phrase in there when he's on trial, and you know, he's being passed back and forth, and they're talking. And it says, one of the guys says, If he hadn't appealed to Caesar, we would have let him go. Agrippa, right. And the thing is that Paul, I think, knew that, but Paul also knew that appealing to Caesar would get him to Rome. That if I appeal to Caesar, I get to Rome, no matter what. And so, it's Paul, his personal safety is no longer on the table as an issue. It's just whatever gets me there gets me there. Um, I've been writing uh, a devotional uh, for us that we'll use while we're in Brazil, and uh, the book we're going to read this year is a book called Wild Goose Chase by a guy named Mark Batterson. And uh, I've been so this week I've been dealing with that and writing it and thinking about it, and and uh, I was driving down the road and I've shared this in a couple of places before, but it, it hit me again this week. I was driving down the road and I was listening to a Christian radio station. And the Christian radio station's whole theme is safe for the whole family, right? I mean, and I know what they mean. You don't have to worry about the words you're going to hear or the topics that will be discussed. I know what they mean. But I couldn't help but think that Christianity for many of us has become safe. That's a word that we used to describe it. And I was reading this about Paul in Acts and thought, for him, Christianity is anything but safe, right? I mean, what did we read about this week? We read, or in the last couple of weeks, we read about um, him uh, almost getting killed, uh, about people trying to conspire against him to kill him. He's getting ready to go to Jerusalem, right? And they say, don't go to Jerusalem. He says, all I know is the Spirit has told me when I go, I'm going to be uh, harassed and arrested and maybe killed, but i got to go. And then he gets to Jerusalem and he appeals and he goes further and he has to sneak out of town. He has that bodyguards all around him. He gets on the boat, he thinks that's going to be okay, and there's a big storm, and he tells the guys, don't go out there, and they I think there's an interesting phrase in there and says, But they did not listen to Paul, they listened to their captain, and they go out into the sea and the shipwreck happens and he gets bit by a poisonous snake. I mean, it's not safe. I mean you just think about it in your life. If any of that happened, how you would react any of that happened how would you react if in any way that you got bit by a poisonous snake or you had shipwrecked on an island or you were run out of town or the stoning group came after you or any of that happened how would you react and yet paul just says i got to keep going i got to keep going because i got to get to rome right and so he gets to rome and as he gets to rome he says that he's able to have peace there, and in his peace there, he's able to spread the gospel, right? Well, my favorite verses comes at the end of chapter 28 in Acts. It says in 28 of Acts, verse 30, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Verse 31, Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Boldly and without hindrance. Isn't it crazy that the place he should have been able to boldly and without hindrance spread the gospel was in Jerusalem. And yet the place he found it was in Rome. And so Paul fulfilled his mission, right? Other questions about the book of Acts. There is some there, there is some um, anecdotal evidence. I mean, there, there's some ancient writings that kind of hint at that. There, no scriptural references, more tradition. Um, there's a Spanish community that at one time traced their heritage to the to an apostle Paul. Um, there's some writings from some people around that time that talk about Paul at uh, in Spain, in the ends of the earth. So. Um, and then there are those that claim that he never really made it out of Rome, that he just kind of was there. So um, it kind of goes both. Tradition, we don't know. So, all right. What about Psalms and Proverbs? Anything there? Psalms and Proverbs, anything there? Or rereading Psalms? Don't skip over that. Reread it, all right? I've already done that, yeah. But you did that in January. If you if you can quote it, you don't have to read it. Okay, I'll make that deal with you. Yeah, yeah. To acquire wisdom is to love oneself. Right. That's good. All right.